I talk very frequently with people that think that they want to become VCs. Right. And, and I, I try to tell them that it's probably the best job that I've ever had that you should never take. Do you want to impact the world and still turn a profit? Then you're in the right place. Welcome to Growth Everywhere. This is the show where you'll find real conversations with real entrepreneurs. They'll share everything from their biggest struggle to the exact strategies they use on a daily basis. So if you're ready for a value-packed interview, listen on. Here's your host, Eric Sue. jump into today's interview if you guys could leave a review and a rating and also subscribe as well that would be a huge help to the podcast so if you actually enjoy the content and you'd like to hear more of it please support us by leaving us a review and subscribe to the podcast as well thanks so much all right, everybody. Today we have Austin Neudecker, who is the head of growth at Rev, which provides transcription services for audio and video formats, translation services, as well as caption and subtitle services. Austin, how's it going? It's going great. Thanks for having me here. Yeah, thanks for being here. So why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do? Sure, yeah. I'll give you a little bit of a story of how I came to be in the position I'm in today. I actually tried my first startup as a student at MIT. I found a great group of friends and we kind of iterated through a couple different ideas. Uh, we landed on a concept that was basically delivering audio articles or audio books. Uh, it was kind of a podcasting service before podcasts really existed that, you know, ended up dying pretty quickly, but it gave me the bug for, you know, being entrepreneurial and starting companies. After that, I sold my soul. I went into management consulting for five years, but, you know, I learned a lot about how large corporations operate and the types of decisions they were making and how they were structured. But ultimately, I really wanted to get back into uh, entrepreneurship. I wanted to be the master of my own domain. So after going back to business school to give myself a little time to think, uh, I got involved in venture capital. So first, I was just sourcing deals for a you know Silicon Valley venture capital firm called Foundation Capital as a young entrepreneur. And then I became an associate at a seed stage fund called Genicast Ventures um, under kind of a, a rock star investor uh, named Gil Beta, who flies a little bit under the radar, but I really consider him to be one of the, the best investors today. And so after kind of seeing it from both sides of the, the table, I really thought that I had to get back out and, uh, you know, get the driver's seat again. And so I, I had a string of startups. I started a, a smart pill bottle company called Adhere Tech. Uh, I went through the Y Combinator program with a company called Yelthy. And then I even started a little memory app called Membrite. That one we might get back to later. Uh, it was a very fast failure, and that's something I'm particularly proud of. It's actually failing quickly. And so we, we can talk later about how to do that. But in the process of all that, I got involved in a bunch of accelerators um, as a mentor at DreamIt, Evo Nexus, Techstars. Um, and I joined Rev in 2014. So it was a company that had already started. I wasn't the founder of that business. And I was first working on building better tools for our freelancers. And I can talk more about that in a bit. And then kind of moved into a growth role. And now actually my official title is, is evolved into something we call CXP or customer experience and, and trying to improve our customers' perception of the product and getting them to buy and order more. So I hope that's helpful to, to set the stage. Great. Cool. So why don't you tell us a little bit about Rev and, and you know, what it does exactly? 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when I think about Rev, I think about a kind of a freelancer marketplace that, that builds specific services that we can deliver to customers. So as, as you said in the intro, uh, we do, you know, several different services today. We do caption services, which is, you know, watching a movie and then typing up all of the things that are said and have it timed to show up on screen. So if you, you couldn't hear the movie, you could at least read it. With transcription services, it's usually audio recordings of things like meeting minutes or even podcasts and trying to get, you know, the entire transcript pasted down below this podcast, which you probably could use and get the SEO benefit out of it. But also translations, you know, you send us a document in English, you want it in German, we can do that for you. So really it comes down to, uh, for a dollar a minute, we can get a, a video or audio uh, transcribed or put into captions in less than 24 hours. And, you know, the way we do that is, you know, unlike a company like Upwork that has, you know, their own army of freelancers, uh, we actually fully manage our workforce of freelancers. Um, they're abstracted from our clients who don't really want to deal with managing uh, the workforce as they go through. So that allows us to focus on having the fastest turnaround time, having the lowest price and really having the highest quality. So those, you know, freelancers today are students, et cetera, um, that really care about having a job that gives them flexibility, gives them good pay, and uh, gives them a little bit of a community. So everything we do is to try to give them a good experience to earn money at home flexibly and deliver the best product we can. Great. And what are some numbers you can share around the business today in terms of growth rates, revenues, customers? Yeah, so we're actually a little bit uh, secretive about this. You know, we have grown very, very quickly. I could say we're we're more than doubling every year. We have, you know, I, I'm I'm a little bit reticent to share some of the exact specifics because Ballpark's we do fine. have some other. Yeah, so so we're like I said. I mean, primarily we're doubling every year. Um, we've got you know very high, you know, ten thousand, very much more uh, customers every year. Like I said, seven thousand freelancers on the service. Yeah, so that that kind of makes sense. Okay, so just to backtrack a little bit, so it sounds like you have ten thousand customers and seven thousand freelancers. Is that what the numbers are? No, no, no. I'm saying we have uh, very, very much more than ten thousand customers. I'm, I'm just being a little bit key about it because uh, we've decided that when we make announcements uh, that, that talk about specific numbers, we want to use that as a, a PR moment and, and go out strategically to the market. So that's why I'm kind of going to, to hold back some of those things. Okay. When you say more than ten thousand customers, are you? Um, is this you know? Let's just say this. Is it plus or minus fifty thousand customers? Uh, it would be, I mean, in that ballpark. In that ballpark. Okay. Is that plus or minus? So you're saying it's in the range of 50,000? Yes. Okay. Great. Yeah. I just want to get this idea, you know, give the audience an idea of kind of where Rev's at. Um, so yeah, I mean, can you talk to us about what's working for you guys today in terms of customer acquisition? Yeah, sure. Primarily what we focus on is, um, this is going to sound counterintuitive, but I'll get back to answering your question, which is, uh, we really focus on trying to make our services the best in every single category that we play in, right? So what we try to do is we, we talk to our customers and try to learn about what are the things that they're making their buying decisions based on, right? And, and so we focus on trying to optimize whatever that is. So for us, in our, in our specific things, it's turnaround time. How fast can you get this back to me? You know, is the price competitive? And is the quality of above a certain level that I need it to be to be acceptable? So because we've focus so much on those, it's meant that our primary channel for new customer acquisition is word of mouth. Because our service is just better than all other services out there. People come to us because they hear about that. 
you know, other than that, the things that I really am proud of is our website conversion is just incredible. And so that allows us to push people to our website from different channels, which I'll talk about in a second. And then since we get a higher converter CAC, our customer acquisition cost is lower. We spend a significant amount on SEM every month and be our kind of our largest non-word of mouth channel that brings in still a minority of our new customer acquisition, but it is um, our primary channel other than that, our primary paid channel. And we've spun up a sales team to go after uh, what we consider to be whales, you know, big customers that we think the unit economics work out for them. So, so if you think about it, um, some of our services, like let's say translation, uh, we, we know for each service what exactly the customer acquisition cost is versus the lifetime value of customers in that channel. And for certain channels, it hasn't made any sense to throw um, you know, an internal direct sales team at that specific service. Now we're at the point where we've got a variety of services. There are a few where the economics work out, where a direct sales team to go after some new whales makes sense. We have spun up eight new uh, sales reps recently, and uh, they're doing very well in terms of getting us the big customers. So, and, and other than that, we've tried all sorts of other, you know, typical growth hacking channels. We've tried posting in blogs. We've tried a uh, little dabbling in SEO. Um, none of that has really paid off uh, like we thought it could. Got it. Okay. I want to take a step back. I mean, you talked about having, you know, really high conversion rates. Um, so, you know, around what range are, you know, what are your conversion rates sitting at right now? And what do you think is, is really, uh, you know, pushing that or driving that? Yeah, we're, we're in the 10 to 20% range wow. uh, for every single person that hits our site, a new, a new user to hit our site and whether they give us money or not. So, you know, we're very, we're very proud of that. It's, it's a very high uh, conversion. And like I said, what that does is it drives down when we think about other channels, when we think about SEM, when we think about our sales team, right? We have to spend less on those channels to get people in the door. We have to buy less leads in order to be confident that we're going to get business out of it. Okay. And what is the conversion defined as for you guys? Is it just an email lead or is it somebody signing up for a trial? What is that? No, we're talking about dollars in the door. Dollars in the door. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. We're talking about someone coming to our site fresh. Uh, that actually enters a credit card and pays for something. Got it. Okay. Yeah, I, I think uh, you know we'll, we'll drop the the notes or the the website in the show notes, and everybody can go take a look at it and figure out you know wh- how they can get a ten to twenty percent conversion <laughs> right. rate. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that, that that's really uh, an interesting thing because uh, if I'm going to be frank, I would say that we're actually a little bit embarrassed about our website. Like we don't think it is the most beautiful thing in the world. I think we, we've definitely focused on some core principles about making it very simple. And being very few clicks to actually get to a pay. You also notice that as if you go through our checkout flow, that the payment is, um, you know, this is just a general tactic, right? The, the payment uh, section is actually very early in the flow because as soon as they fill out their credit card, then they're already quite bought in. Um, they already made a decision to spend some money. And then if we have any other like additional ask for them after that, then that's kind of icing on the cake for us, but we've already kind of captured them as a client. Got it. Okay, makes sense. So I want to I want to switch gears a little bit right now. Uh, you know, you talked about how you used to be you know involved in in the in the VC world. So you know, why did you decide to come back from you know go go from the VC world you know back into kind of uh, you know the starting other companies and then eventually kind of you know uh, working at working at Rev? What's the you know what's the story behind that? Yes. So, I mean, there's a couple different factors. I talk very frequently with people that think that they want to become VCs. Right. And, and I, t- I try to tell them that it's probably the best job that I've ever had that you should never take. 
And, and, and the, re- the reason I say that is like just, just the realities of the VC game is, is this is a kind of an aside, but it's a very difficult career path to get into in the first place. Went into Wharton. I knew that there were 50 other of my classmates that wanted to get into VC. And every year, about five people actually got into VC. And the sad part of it is, uh, maybe you can guess, right? How many of those five have had previous venture capital experience? Do you, do you want to venture? Zero? Uh, four. So every year, about 50 people try to get into VC. Uh, about five people actually succeed. And usually four of them have been an analyst at a VC before. Um, so I was that fifth guy. I was the guy that had had any experience, but got lucky enough to get a job in VC. But I will tell you that uh, on hindsight, uh, it's, it's a very fun job. You get to spend your days. You know, I would screen about 2000 businesses a year. Um, looking at them, you get to go to networking events. You get to go to, you know, all the South by Southwest, TechCrunch, Disrupt, all those different uh, events looking for people talking to passionate entrepreneurs. But ultimately, uh, you're doing a bunch of analysis, you're making recommendations, you're trying to help the companies. But at the end of the day, the way you make money as a VC is you have to get part of the carry. You have to, you have to invest in the right companies, and then you have to be um, on the receiving end when they do well. And the only way to be on the receiving end when they do well is to become a partner. And if you just think about yourself, right? If you're an entrepreneur and you're trying to get fundraising from a VC, you want to find a VC that's been there and done that. You want to find a VC that's built a couple of businesses. Uh, maybe you've had some failures, but especially have had some good successes. And as kind of a young associate or analyst, uh, you don't have that under your belt. So you're not really respected by the entrepreneurs yet, nor are you respected by the partners that have done that. So they're not really going to promote you to partner. At some point, they're going to say, hey, why don't you go out, work for one of our portfolio companies, go start your own company, and come back to us once you've had some of that experience under your belt. So if, if, there's, if there are people out there that really want to get involved in VC, my best recommendation to them is shortcut the process. Go out there and start operating as an entrepreneur. Start learning these things. And then hopefully, if you're successful, it'll be so much easier later to, quote unquote, you know, retire into VC as a partner and actually get part of the carry. So was that, was that helpful? Yeah, super helpful. I think a lot of people, I mean, I mean, you, you kind of clarified it. It's not as easy as, as I think people think it or make it out to be. And I think you kind of just, uh, you articulated that pretty well. Yeah. I mean, and I, I hate to, to, to go on this topic too much, but a real quick aside as well is if you look at the VC industry over the last 10 years, the average return for a VC is, is basically zero. And the reason for that is 70% of funds return negative, right? They basically don't get enough money to pay back fully their investors. Now, the top percent, the top, you know, 20, 30% who have all the returns for the entire industry, um, especially the top 10% who are doing all the best returns are a very limited set of VCs. Now, becoming a VC at one of those bottom 70 is a lot easier than becoming a VC at one of those top 30%. But that's the only way to make money is to get to be a partner at a successful VC fund. And, and that's not always predictable, but like that's where you want to be. Right. Totally makes sense. And I think that's a great lesson for everyone here, including myself. Um, so switching gears here, we just, just have a few more questions. How old are you right now? Sure. 33. 33. Okay. What's one piece of advice you'd give to your 22-year-old self? Oh, to my 22-year-old self. So a, a piece of advice 
that I still need today, right? Like it's something that I am working on all the time and I think it's important for all entrepreneurs is a lesson in focus, right? And, and that lesson in focus is that as a young entrepreneur, you get a lot of advice. You get a lot of people telling you all the types of things you should be doing or the experiments you should try. And I think the most successful guys are good about figuring out what is the one or two most important things to do, you know, this next month that'll really move the needle. And, you know, I can say for myself that I've failed at times on this, like trying to do six different experiments at once or trying to, to test multiple different businesses or, or strategies. And ultimately, like, I think the entrepreneurs that win are the best at iterating quickly, getting something out there, testing it, measuring it, focused on that one thing, figuring out if it's a success or failure, and then moving on to the next thing in more of a serial process than a parallel process. I love it. Okay. And what's one must-read book you'd recommend to the audience? One that I really like is, is really simple. It's called uh, Lean Customer Development uh, by Cindy Alvarez. And the book talks about what are good ways to talk to customers so you're not biasing the conversation and you're actually getting the most learning out of it. You know, something I see entrepreneurs do a lot is they'll come to me with their new app and they'll say, hey, look at this cool thing that I built. Would you use it? Right? And, and that to me seems like such a horrible question because almost everyone is going to say yes. Because you know, you're standing there, you're, you're, you're happy about it. You're, like, you're showing this person, you're putting it in their hands. Of course, they're going to agree with you. Right? That's why I generally don't believe in like, surveys and that kind of stuff. The best way to figure things out is to have very open-ended conversations with customers about their pain points um, and really d- dig in kind of deeply into them and open-endedly. And you'll learn so much more than you will about like, hey, would you use this solution? Like, Because you're basically asking them, is this a problem you have or can you imagine yourself having this problem rather than talking to them tangibly about the last time they had that, that problem and what, and what they experienced. Right. Okay. Great. Well, Austin, this has been awesome. What's the best way for people to find you online? Uh, the best way to find me online on Twitter is at A-U-S underscore in. So at Austin. And I guess you can always hit me up on. Um, so one, one really good way to find me is, is through Startup San Diego. It's an organization I help run in San Diego. We've got a, uh, a huge conference coming up. If you happen to be in the area, uh, with 130 different events uh, in June 13th. And so you can go to um, startupsd.org or you can go to San Diego startupweek.com. Awesome. I love it. Austin, this has been fantastic. Everyone, make sure you check out Rev, check out what Austin's doing. Thanks again for doing this. No problem. Thanks for listening to this episode of Growth Everywhere. If you loved what you heard, be sure to head back to growtheverywhere.com for today's show notes and a ton of additional resources. But before you go, hit the subscribe button to avoid missing out on next week's value-packed interview. Enjoy the rest of your week, and remember to take action and continue growing.